1: Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. And welcome into a little, I guess a special live Sunday night episode of Purple Daily here. Daily Vikings Entertainment. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. And uh, the show is presented by our friends at TCL. One of the world's best-selling consumer electronics brands. They have a new lineup of award-winning TVs delivering the most entertainment with stunning resolution, all at an affordable cost. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Learn more at TCL.com. How are we doing, boys? Judd, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, Hold on. Let me see here while I unmute myself. You
2: know... I think I'm going to be totally prepared
1: for the a show. Surly,
2: <laughs> a surly furious. I muted myself because the dog was barking, and then the dog stopped barking. So oh, Stella's fine Stella. now. I'm going to be enjoying a during the course of the show a surly furious IPA poured into a delicious mug because there's oh. nothing better. Oh, than let's listen. Let's
1: listen, and, let's listen here. here. Oh, oh there wow! Awesome. There you go. Some live play by play right there of surly and well, and being look at poured into a I pint think the line. pour is pretty good.
3: That is a good the pour. pour. It's good. a very good pour. That's
1: like, this
2: is a quality pour. Oh, look at
1: that! Yes, look crush that, that can against nice your head and bleed yeah. all over. No, that desk. might hurt. I'm too old for like that. The, like I'm the Sandman and ECW.
2: <laughs> Maybe on a Friday, not on a Sunday.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, amazing. So there it is. There's your. Uh, there's your surly on this Sunday night. So there's no vent line today, obviously, because we already did that after the Vikings won their ninth game on Friday. But we figured, I oh, let's uh let's fire up a little bonus feedback, a little feedback Friday on a Sunday here, and talk some Vikings with you. We'll have our normal Monday episode and kind of back in line this week. We're also watching these Sunday afternoon games wind down. Some very interesting things happening in the NFC. Uh, that Commanders win on the road looks a lot better now that they are 7-5. and five. That's more of a quality win, I think, than people forecasted before that game and the packers are about to I'm rooting for the packers tonight because they are no longer a factor in the NFC North race and I would like Hater. to see the vikings play a bunch of home games in the playoffs. And so to me Absolutely. the rooting interest tonight is mm-hmm. packers over eagles. Yeah, put that in your pint glass and drink it. Absolutely true.
2: Um may I just express my disdain for this and we talked about this briefly but it's getting worse now. We Aaron Rodgers has convinced the national media that he is now playing through one of the worst injuries in history. There was an NFL.com story today that said it's an avulsion fracture. It's a miracle he's still playing. So he's gone from, what's wrong with him? He's sort of a jerk, and his team's not good, to You don't understand what he has done. Give it's his throwing thumb, break. though, right? It's not
1: his throwing yeah. hand? Okay.
2: Yeah. No, it's a big... but. but thing is it very now is well this is why things are wrong you don't understand the greatness of what this guy has done give me a break
1: (laughs) is it he is I mean credit to him for battling through a thumb injury but it has not been greatness at all this season um speaking of greatness the Vikings defense is not great and the first couple questions have to do with Ed Donichell's collection here so and by the way, you can always hit us up. Uh, we, we, we usually do feedback Friday and take as many questions as we can from you guys through the Score North app. You can also hit us up on Twitter and the YouTube comment section. I should also mention, too, that uh, there's a few hours left because this is a live episode. So um, 15% off everything in the Score North merch shop. That is scorenorth.com slash shop. All of the Purple Daily-centric gear, fourth quarter comeback, hooded sweatshirts. Victory Monday shirts and hooded sweatshirts and also the uh, Just One Before I Die shirts and hooded sweatshirts and some other swag. All of it, 15% off through the rest of the night tonight with the promo code Black Friday, all one word, Black Friday. scornorth.com slash shop. Um, so basically, it's a, the theme early on here is going to be how good does the Vikings defense need to get if they're going to be legitimate Super Bowl contenders. And Wade Crandall says, what was the 1998 Vikings defense ranked that year? I remember their defense not being that great, but of course their offense was stellar. Uh, side note from Wade, my cousin and I were at the NFC Championship game that year where Gary Anderson missed the kick. Cool. Um, so I'm going to pull this up real quick. The 1998, depends on what you want here. Let's start with yards per play. The Vikings defense that season ranked... 19th in yards per play allowed, which is not very good. As far as scoring defense, the 1998 Vikings were 6th. So a little similar. That that defense was better statistically, but a huge gap between where they rank in yards, bend but don't break, and points allowed. So I guess just generally, how good does the Vikings defense have to be, Judd, for you to say, okay, that's good enough. That's good enough. You can do some damage now in January. Well, I th-
2: so I think there's a couple things um, that are talking points here. One is uh, it's my belief that they have to have Dantzler back. Um, I would be loath to go into a playoff game with with Booth playing would really scare me. Evans playing would scare me and of course god bless his, god bless him but duke shelley i'd be like you're you're toast don't so don't, don't, shelley, island. Shelley, shelley island shelley island shelley island he made like yeah. one player oh, you play pretty well I, no okay um i think that what we need to see though is because cuz you're going to get exposed uh, through the playoffs by clearly teams that are going to be legit i think what you need to see is you're going to need to feel comfortable applying pressure um, and if you don't i think you're in trouble like i think we've seen we've seen examples the vikings are 1000% adjusted for the dolphins game and then for a period of time where they brought more pressure and guess what it's not perfect but it gives you an opportunity um if you lay back in the Dona shell and you don't apply the pressure uh <laughs> the you gosh. are gi- you are giving up you are sacrificing yes. huge chunks of yards and unfortunately what can and cuz the argument to what I'm saying is, well, yeah, but if it's between the 20s, it's fine. The problem is if there's a mistake, the old Ben, but don't break thing, and someone breaks one. And now, you know, the goal was to stop the guy at the, I don't know, 25. Yeah. And now he's at the 15. And now he's at the 10. Now he's at the five. Touchdown. That's a problem. So I think what we need to see, because you're not going to see like a huge change. They're not going to change this whole thing. They can't. Uh, but I think what we ne- we will need to see is better game plans and game plans that start with this. Um, Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter, if nothing else, apply some serious pressure to make it more difficult on quarterbacks. I, the frustrating thing about Thursday to me was this. If you watch that game, what you saw was Mac Jones had time. And Mac Jones looked great. Mac Jones is not that good. But Mac Jones looked great. And what's more frustrating about that that game is the whole reason to get home field in the playoffs is to get a quarterback like that who you can fluster because that crowd gets loud third down it's tough and i have seen quarterbacks far superior to mac jones collapse but the collapse is caused by two things it's caused by pressure from the vikings defense and it's caused by the crowd making a ton of noise and and you got to go to a silent count and it makes things tough so i really think the answer to, to the question is you need this defense game by game to play, to have a good game plan, to have pressure, because if you don't, you're going to get exposed by what is going to be definitely quarterbacks, probably superior to Mac Jones.
1: Yeah, an- another reason I think why the 1998 Vikings defense looked a little profiled a little bit better statistically. I mean, they, they did have Hall of Famer John Randall up front, and did they have Chris Dolman the second time around in 1998? I mean, they had, they had some dudes up front. So I'm not trying to denigrate their defense here, but it helps when you have historically at the time the highest scoring offense in the NFL and you're out to 14 point leads, 20 point leads. That was like they weren't playing in 1998. These grind them out close games every single week where you're down by 10 or down by seven in the fourth quarter. I think when when your offense takes a 14 point lead or you're up 21 to 10 or something in the second quarter. Now the opposing team knows, oh crap, we have to score 40 points to win this game, so I guess we're not running anymore. And now it makes it easier. The defense knows what they're going to get. It's going to be passing plays. It just kind of it kind of handicaps the opposing offenses. And so I would be curious to see what this year's Vikings defense looks like when given more cushion, when they when if they were able to take bigger leads early, have a lead in the second half instead of the other way around. I did go back just for fun here. Because I think we're getting a little too dismissive of yard. I think on this show, we've started to correct it and say, all right, the yardage is a problem now. It's a problem now, and it's going to lead to some major issues and probably some more losses, maybe not quite as bad as the Dallas loss, but the yardage is a problem. So I was curious, in terms of yards per play allowed, how bad can your defense be and you still win a Super Bowl? Like How low can you rank? And still have a good enough defense along with however good your offense is to win a Super Bowl. Among the last 15 Super Bowl winners, four of them have been outside the top 10 in yards per play allowed. So 15 last 15 Super Bowl winners, 11 of them had top 10 yards per play defenses. The Vikings right now are 31st, 31st. So of the four that ranked outside the top 10. The 2019 Chiefs were 13th, but I remember they were awful at the beginning of the year defensively. And then they kind of, I think by the end of the year, they were probably closer to a top 10 defense because something clicked. The 2018 Patriots were 16th, but they also had peak Tom Brady. The 2011 Giants were 19th in yards per play allowed. And the 2009 Saints, this might be the comp here, the 2009 Saints were 20th in yards per play allowed but they were amazing at takeaways. They would generate pressure. They would force quarterbacks to throw interceptions. They got, they got probably lucky with some fumble recoveries. Bounties. Bounties, exactly. There's so a $10,000 stack of cash in the locker room. Who wants to end a quarterback's life tonight, <laughs> live on TV? Um, so can can they, again, 31st is a disaster in terms yeah. of yardage, and it's it's not a sustainable thing. They're going to get to the playoffs with it, which is amazing. You can't do damage in the playoffs if it stays there. I think they've got to get closer to like middle of the pack, and the offense take a step.
2: And, and they 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 have to they have to consistently find a way to dial up pressure. They absolutely do because we've seen when they don't, everything's open. And and I I get that against the, the Patriots, I'm sure that there there was a fear that your guys' guy Duke Shelley was in need of some help there, and so they tried to get him help, but. The reality is this. In a playoff game, if you're going to allow a quarterback, especially in your stadium, to sit back there and, you know, basically pick you apart, you're probably screwed.
3: I would say this, too, about defense, too. It's all about situational. So, like, outside of what was the Legion of Boom in Seattle that went to -to back-to-back Super Bowls, um, it's hard to be a defensive-based team and be all about, Traditional things of ground and pound and being a defensive base team and win a Super Bowl, it's, it's, it's difficult. But can you be situationally good? So from the Vikings side, they've been situationally really good at dialing up pressures, at winning turnover battles. I would say the one area if they could really clean it up is red zone. So they've been one of the worst red zone defenses in the NFL. Can they figure out a way, instead of allowing six, can they allow a three? Can they block a field goal? Can they not allow as many sixes as much? Because they're, they're going to give up yards. That's just the way their defense plays. They have a Shell defense at Anatel, as I've seen a lot of people call him. Can you figure out ways to be situationally a lot better instead of just allowing all these yards, but can you stop them in key situations? That would, if, if you can give up the yards, but you stop them in the red zone, I'd feel a lot better about how the defense looks.
1: But I think there's a core. I don't. I don't think there's such thing as being like a bottom five overall yardage defense. That's a top five. You're just oh, we're gonna flip the switch now that they're at the 18 right. yard line. So I, I think there's some room for that. But they've to me they've crossed that point. They have. I when they when they were like you know middle of the pack and yardage allowed. Okay, whatever. You're gonna you're gonna bend but don't break. But you, when you're down there with the Lions and the Chargers defensively. Um and yeah, so Declan brought up the red zone percentage. The Vikings are the seventh worst red zone defense in terms of percentage of trips turned into touchdowns. Third down defense, they are well, they're they're one of the thirteen worst. They're closer to middle of the pack in terms of third down. But so even even those key situational things, they're not atrocious. Right. But it, but it's not a strength. It's all just like varying shades of bad yeah yeah and
2: i feel like at times
1: we're trying to torture
2: this into it'll be okay and it's like now it probably I, yeah probably won't be in the, the playoffs yeah, yeah. and <laughs> and look i mean the dallas game showed you some stuff like that dallas game is a playoff game that's a playoff type team and the vikings should have never gotten done that badly but like if you watch that game and thought oh fluke you know next time okay it might not be a a 37 point defeat but what pollard did to you and what prescott did to you i mean there were there were a lot of things off that game defensively for sure to go to school on um and yeah a lot of these stats if you're gonna sit there and say like oh but i mean look at this and look at that it's like no those stats are really bad
1: yes uh and then just one more here just for fun here um because it's Their running defense actually hasn't been a train wreck. They're only allowing 4.3 yards per carry, which is top half of the league. Um, The pass defense, let's see here. Let's just go uh, quarterback rating against. (laughs) So they have the sixth worst passer rating against. But because they have 10 interceptions, which is top five in the NFL, they've been able to turn some of these drives that, and they've had some red some red zone interceptions too where a team will go you know all the way down into the into the deep red so to speak and the vikings will turn the ball over one more uh defensive question here that really should make us look into our souls from george lesnick as constituted this team has absolutely no chance in the playoffs it's a guarantee that they will be one and out i hope your show openly discusses the defense going forward You should talk defense at least 75% of your show. You're doing an absolute (laughs) disservice to the fan base by talking in niceties. I know you don't want to offend anybody. I don't know if that's the case. Um, Since when? But the knowledge that you're showing about the game of football is naive at best and stupid at worst. You need to start criticizing Ed Donatel. You need to criticize Kevin O'Connell for keeping Ed Donatel you need to criticize the scheme. You need to criticize the shift to a 3-4 defense. You need to significantly <laughs> rip these people. Mm. Donatel needs to be removed. You should lead the charge on this. From George.
2: Oh, George. George, George is a very George angry man. man. I mean, it's the holiday ZF season. Right now. It's a holiday season, George. Calm down. <laughs> um, okay. All right. I know that you know people get get mad and say Ed Donatel should be fired, but you're not going to change the scheme. He's not and, getting fired in the middle
1: of no. a nine and two season, guys. And, it's not happening.
2: And I also don't think that there's a person on the staff who's going to then I, like. I don't think Mike Pettin is going to step in and be like, "Oh, here's a three tweaks, and now we're a great defense." This is the path they went down. Um, you can argue a few things. One, perhaps the scheme is flawed. Perhaps it stinks. Two. Perhaps some of the personnel that they kept around, by the way, from the 4-3 with Zimmer and plugged into the 3-4 doesn't work for this scheme.
1: Um, was, so, th- this personnel was largely the same personnel that was yes. also bad in a 4-3, too. Yes, you might and, just have some old, old dudes that can't keep up.
2: And I am, and, and I know his PFF grades aren't bad across the board on a weekly basis, but I am shocked that for the first time since I've started to watch him play that Daniil Hunter, to me on Sundays, is often not a guy that I see a lot. So that, that shocks me. Um, Harrison Smith's got picks, but I got bad news. At times I watch him on and I'm like, he ain't he ain't what he once was. So I guess we could criticize them up and down, but I think what's what's more important is what are you gonna do to find solutions? And Phil, you you bring up an intriguing point, which is do you need to basically say to O'Connell and the offense, you guys need to score more points here.
1: Um, one thing to add here: Game Changer sixteen in the comment section says, "Why can't people just enjoy? We are we can't people just enjoy that we are nine and two, and um, and the fact that we can outscore anyone? Stop with the BS stats." Well, I think a couple things. I think some of this is we're looking for predictiveness here, right? We're we're just I think the, one of the big questions people have, and here on this episode, we're just reacting to some of your questions that you guys have sent to us, and one of the main themes is okay, we know they're good. How good are they? How much damage can they do once they get into the playoff bracket, into the tournament, as they say, Love around it. the league? Love it. And so this conversation is kind of it's a predictive conversation. And what we're saying is if they want to actually win playoff games, the defense can't rank thirty first they can't be giving up four hundred yards to Mac Jones. So yes, yeah, I think there's room, game changer sixteen, to enjoy the hell out of a nine and two start to the season. Um I don't know that it's true that they'll outscore anyone yet, but the offense has, especially against the Patriots defense, showed some major signs of taking a step forward. And so, yes, there's room to enjoy what's been happening and also try and predict and see, okay, what's the next level to this thing? What do they need to do to officially be a Super Bowl contender? And I don't think that
2: those stats that you ran through defensively are BS stats. Like, it'd be one thing if you were going into the deep, the deep stats, the deep, dark stats and trying to come up with things. But oh, I mean,
1: it's yards. <laughs> yeah. I, like, and yeah, how many yards. Exactly. do They give up. And <laughs> it's <laughs>
2: things like red zone, which, by the way, if you give up a ton of yards, a deep red. If you got. Yeah. If if you give up a ton of yards, which then means uh, the opponent is in the red zone and you give up a ton of points there. That's not a BS stat. That's a concerning stat. So. Yeah.
1: Yes. Um. Real quick, before we get into some of these other ones, uh, one of our great partners on the show is Park Tavern. Now we just we just partnered with Park Tavern. It is now the Judd's got the hoodie on. It is the, the official sports bar of the Sports Dad, Judd Zolgad, and uh, we've been calling this an impromptu gathering for like five days, which I think <laughs> wipes out the impromptu nature. It's just of it. fun.
2: It's fun in nature to say it.
1: We're just gonna go and hang out at Park Tavern tomorrow night. Monday night at 6 o'clock for, I don't know, two, three hours. Watch some Monday Night Football, drink Mm -hmm. some Surleys, Mm -hmm. and talk some Vikings with anyone who wants to hang out with us. So you go ahead and tell them them what you want, Judd. 6 o'clock, the 11th frame. So you, you walk in,
2: you will see the bowling alley right there in front of you. The lanes are right there. There's a bar to your left. But you want to go to the bar to your right as you w- walk in. And, yes, Phil's right. We're going to be there to talk some Vikings, to talk some football. Uh, you, you know what? We'll talk Wolves and Wild, too. Um, and while you're there. I'm not talking we'll, Wolves <laughs> I, Yeah, I was the Wolves. We'll talk I was some there. Wild. <laughs> well, you I'm know what? You chose right not now. to go to the hockey game, there. Declan Goff. So that's your fault. But, anyway, well, while you are there, you can buy this. It's a gift certificate, Park Tavern. Now, it's a Black Friday deal that for most people is done. Buy a $100 gift card, get a 50, uh, $50 bonus gift card. It's now $25 for the bonus, unless you mentioned Score North. If you say, I listen hey, to Score yeah. North, guess what? The Black Friday deal, it might be passed, but it's back on. So $100 gift card gets you the $50 bonus gift card, uh, and you have to buy them in person. So while while you're there tomorrow schmoozing with Score Norther's fans, and you're schmoozing with Mackie, And Judd and Declan, guess what? Pick up a gift card from Park Tavern. Make it your official bar as well. Yes.
1: Uh, Andy Price says, The Thanksgiving game was no doubt an affirmation to the fans that the Vikings are not an accidental 8-2, now 9-2 football team. I tend to agree with this. It's not that they are perfect, that they don't have things to fix, as we just talked about for 20 minutes. But to me, the Patriots win largely wiped out any questions about their legitimacy like they are maybe they're not the second best team in the nfl but they're one of the contenders in the nfl to me the washington win too
2: was big that's on the road that was a tough game that was a tough game and and as you watch games today with the vikings not playing what do you see you see flawed teams all over the place i'm gonna keep going back to to this notion like the chiefs are great okay the chiefs are fun but This notion that this league is filled with all of these teams that are, you know, why can't the Vikings be this? Why can't the Vikings be be that? How many teams like that exist? How many teams exist where you're like, man, I wish the Vikings now defensively? Yes, there are some concerns. Should the Vikings score more points? I think consistently. Absolutely. But the, the beauty of this league is really overcoming the flaws to be victorious. And, and yeah, the Patriots game, the Washington game. Like, we can go through a few games here. Um, And I don't think any time you win on the road, it's cheap. I really don't. Like, I don't think there's a lot of teams where you're like, oh, man, you went into Detroit and won. Who cares? Still a tough place to win.
1: Well, Uh, and and, yeah, and right now, I know that the Dolphins weren't starting Tua. So the Dolphins win is kind of an asterisk, but. Right now, the Vikings are on track to have three road wins over teams that finish the season with a winning record, because it looks Mm -hmm. like unless the Commanders can't find two more wins, they're going to finish at least nine and eight. Mm -hmm. The Dolphins and then the Buffalo Bills. I might be missing one in there somewhere, but that's for sure three road wins over teams that are likely to finish above 500. I think they had four total in the first four years of Kirk Cousins. So... Yeah. They're doing they're doing things as a team and he's doing things as a quarterback that they just weren't really doing much of checking boxes that they weren't able to check in the first four years of of his time here.
3: Paraphrasing a little bit, too, but I believe there was a stat where teams that like the Patriots, what they did against the Vikings on Thursday were one hundred and eighty one and oh, basically, when you score four yards of offense, you score X amount of points, you have X amount of penalty yards against you. They were like a hundred and eighty and oh. Maybe I'm para- maybe I'm no. exaggerating a little. Were, yeah, I undefeated. saw that too. There
1: was a list of like here are six things. If all six of these things happen, the, was it the Patriots or was it NFL teams? Like NFL, it teams. was some crazy thing. Like yeah, that no team has ever won a game when these six things have happened against you. Which you could say, okay, well that's more affirmation that the Vikings are playing with a horseshoe up their ass all season. Or you could say there's just something about this team that perseveres when they need to in clutch situations don't you guys think too though like the the whole horseshoe thing
2: every year there are teams that have that like there are there are years where you think your team is going to be good and you know what it falls apart a ton of guys get, get hurt sometimes your stadium roof collapses um but don't you guys think that this is a, a league where it's it's weird but every year there seem to be three or possibly four teams that yes they're pretty good but they get breaks and look, the 2017 Vikings, I think, probably got more breaks than this team gets. But are you going to turn it down? Like, it, it's this weird, well, yeah, to win football games, fortune, starting with, with the fact that you can't have key guys hurt. I mean, if Kirk Cousins goes down against the Jets, it's over. Yeah. Um. So, like, I I just find the mentality of the football fan to be intriguing, because I know that the goal is, you know, be the Patriots and be good for ten consecutive years. The more I watch this game, this sport right now, I don't know that that's really possible, you guys. Yeah.
1: Yep. It's uh, it's it's it. it there's sometimes I think among Vikings fans, and we're probably guilty of this because we talk about the Vikings literally every day for like multiple hours. So we're just we're just blabbing but that the that everything has to be more picture perfect that we're we're like on this journey aspiring for and, and maybe it's my generation of fans that are, we're we're trying to find something that looks and feels like 98 again because to my generation 1998 was the prettiest Vikings football team ever it it, it they were they were scoring 40 points every game deep bombs to Moss high octane offense defense that generated sacks and takeaways and that wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. So if 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 that team couldn't get to a Super Bowl and then win a Super Bowl, then anything that looks uglier, it's hard to really fully wrap your head around. Oh, okay, something that looks uglier than the '98 team that came up two games short can go further. So there's almost we almost need like some sort of uh, I don't know sports fan psychologist. To, if you if you came from my generation. Watching the the nineteen ninety eight Vikings as kind of your first experience of
2: heartbreak. Yeah, and and there also is this um, feeling of well, you know, every Sunday it's a heart attack, and how how can I take this? Or I, go back and look at the Rams playoff run last year. Oh they, yeah, they yeah. almost got bounced like three times. Yeah, they so almost the Bengals, lost to the Tampa. Bengals too. The Bengals, yeah, like both but, those teams. but I mean that's how this looks now. It's it's the art the artistry of the pre. Free agency league, right? Where it's Montana and Rice forever, baby, and they're never leaving, and it's great. Um, that's pretty much gone. This is largely a collection of kids finger painting games. Like, there's a lot of ugliness. So, are you really going to care if you win?
1: Well, and yeah, just like this was kind of a weird. There weren't that many great matchups this week. So, even in in a in in a week where there were just a lot of kind of blah matchups and some big point spreads. Bills-Lions, down to the very, very end. Vikings-Patriots, down to the end. Chargers-Cardinals, down to the end. One-point win for the Chargers. Jaguars-Ravens, right down to the end, right? One-point win for the Jaguars. Uh, Commanders-Falcons, right down to the end. One-score game. Bengals-Titans, right down to the end. Browns-Bucks, over... I mean, pretty much... Even that Chiefs-Rams game, I was watching some of that. Yes. And, it, you know, it, it wound up being a 26-10 game, but the Rams are down by 10, intercept a pass on the end zone. Now they've got it going the other way with, like, eight minutes to go and, like, a game that was pretty much always in hand. At one point, you're kind of thinking, okay, if the Rams kick a field goal or score a touchdown here, so every game is just kind of a grind for the most part. So um, let's see here. A bunch of people. Pointing out a couple of days ago, I think it was on Friday morning that uh, Jamie Erdahl on Good Morning Football gave a shout out to Old Macadac for it's the hot. the Kirkco change discussions that we've been peddling here on Purple yeah. Daily. Uh, a little, little national love for for Does Purple she watch Daily. Them? Well, maybe? we so, or had well Jamie and I have been her. friends for like twelve years, right? And she, so we were, you know, she's from mm-hmm. Minnesota. Yep, she actually used to intern on the Royce and Mackey radio show in 2010 and then went out to Boston, I think, and worked for like Nesson or something. And then she went to CBS and now she's one of the biggest, you know, sports talking heads. Um, so we've just kept in touch. We're social media friends and whatnot. And uh, I don't know. I think she, I think she made, I didn't see the whole clip, but a bunch of people said like she made some comment about the Kirko chains mm-hmm. phone booth thing that we were talking about. So mm-hmm. she said my friend, Phil Mackey." Friend, Phil Mackey.
2: Friend. <laughs> friend. And
1: my I didn't friend, hear Declan Jamie Erdahl, does a great and job. I didn't hear I Declan mention.
2: I didn't hear Judd No, it's, no, uh, no. Just it's my weird. friend Phil she, Mackey. She, didn't,
3: she didn't go on Good Morning Football and say there's not a kicking problem. I wonder why she didn't didn't have that take on, on national television.
1: I've been debating what to do with that batch of feedback because yeah, I feel like we we exhausted okay. that argument so aggressively. But a lot you. of people – I will say time. I think 75% of people are wondering – why is Declan dying on the hill of the Vikings not having a kick problem? But then 25% of people are somehow agreeing with him, which I don't understand. I don't know. I'm not going to debate it still. I mean, I've said my piece. If you, I, I guess I'll throw it to Declan here as a feedback question. A lot of people think mm-hmm. that you are just unnecessarily dying on a hill here with an obvious problem on the team, digging your heels in on a take. That's what people think. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to... I'm not gonna jump
3: off the take until the, the take has derailed my own career. So and and that could happen. Very well. And what's it today? November twenty-seventh. When is this, the, this could happen about seven weeks from now? I'm well aware that game? this could yeah, this could happen less than that. It hasn't okay. cost the two wins.
1: As someone who is now peddling fourth quarter comeback Kirko Chains hooded sweatshirts on scornark.com slash shop. Mm-hmm. Moving off of a take and into a different take can be fruitful oh, yeah. for your career sometimes. Absolutely, as well. and and there there's areas where I will gladly do that.
3: It's not one of those areas right now. I okay. the, the the team's nine and two, they're fine. I'm not not looking. I'm not looking over there yet to make a change. Just not looking there
2: yet. Can't okay. do it. It is okay. one of the more bizarre takes in the history of takes on this show, which going, is saying going something. back to the radio days. Which well, I think something.
1: I think if the take like the fact that your take is the Vikings don't have a kicking problem means that no team has a kicking problem because the Vikings have the if if you were if this was a bell curve of which teams have the biggest kicking problems the Vikings would be the among the five problems. Mm-hmm. So what Declan's really saying is that there are no kicking problems in the NFL. If the take was. I believe in Greg Joseph. He's going through a rough patch. He is awesome. He will pull out of it. But I haven't even heard that vote of confidence from Declan. I feel like you're defending your take, but you're not fully sold on Greg Joseph, which I, that doesn't add up to me. I'm not
3: I'm not fully sold on him bouncing back, no. I am not. <laughs> but I am okay, in so on the team. More, he's
1: missed more 50-yarders and extra I points than no, anyone. I, and I, you're I, I, not no. sold
3: on him bouncing back. But they don't have a kicking problem. I I have no hill to die on with the exact kicker that is Greg Joseph. I have no hill to die on there. And there's no hill to die on there with the actual kicker that is Greg Joseph. I have a hill to die on with the team winning games. And the team is winning games and being aggressive and being all the great things that are going on offense when he misses kicks. So I'm not going to die on the hill yet. It hasn't cost them a game yet.
1: If my my car is leaking oil, but I still made it to work. Mm Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that my car doesn't have a problem that might not be or my, you know, my brakes are uh, really screechy. Right. And I have to really hammer the brakes to get my car to stop. I did stop at the stoplight. Therefore, I can continue my day. But in the future, I might get T-boned by a semi-truck when my brakes stop
3: working. You are purposely, though, not driving that car at 75 miles an hour down the interstate
1: knowing that the <laughs> I would the car, like to. I would like to. But you're not, are you? Are you, are you though? Okay, That's there, my whole point. There might be some cities where I need to drive 75 miles per hour because then i look in, for county like, roads i don't know like in january and early yeah. february for instance Then i would look
3: for back roads i would look for ways <laughs> to get you to the route that you have to get to without having to rely on those brakes that's all i'm saying and everyone's been there with that car too everyone knows exactly what i'm talking about with that car.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, i have no idea what you're talking about oh man what happened to that saturn you used to drive judd i'm sure the brakes went that's what gave i thought out. see see <laughs> exactly um, let's see here. Uh, Bart Whedon says, I believe all three of you are seeing, I believe all three of you are seeing that Cousins is a top five quarterback and that his contract, comparatively speaking, is good value. Scoll, baby. I love the content, even when I disagree on occasion. Um, do you, do you agree with Bart that Cousins is now a top five quarterback and that he has a valuable contract? I think the contract,
2: as time has passed, although this is, I think it's going to be a different problem when it goes up next year, I think the contract is is a bit easier to take. Top five quarterback? No. No. No, 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 no. He has been, he's winning games. I'm, I'm very impressed. He's doing things that previously he couldn't. I would argue that you shouldn't need a coaching change to do that, but that's not, neither here nor there because he is. Um, But no, I would not not for one second. If you gave me a a pen and a piece of paper right now and said, give me your f- top five quarterback NFL wish list. Kirk Cousins ain't appearing in that. No, come on.
1: I think a guy, uh, there's like this, this weird thing in sports takes and sports fandom that I don't think was a thing 10 years ago, but where everything is polarizingly black and white, where if, if Cousins is performing at a, Better level in the clutch than he was before. Then all of a sudden he's a top five quarterback, right? It can't just be that. Yep. Okay, he's performing better in certain situations, right? Um. So no, he is not a top five quarterback, but he's definitely he's definitely one of the ten to fifteen best quarterbacks in the world. Closer to ten, when Kirk O'Chains comes out, when Steve Urkel goes into the uh, transporter thing, and an out comes Stefan or Cal. All right, now we're talking. Now we're talking eighth, ninth, tenth best quarterback. Okay. Mm-hmm in the club. I mean Declan you said he is one of the five guys you'd want in yes. the fourth quarter this I season and he's been really good in the fourth quarter of the season yeah. on the contract front so he still has the third highest cap hit of any player in the NFL this year uh Ryan Tannehill has the top one that is rough uh Patrick Mahomes has the second highest so he's finally his cap hit is sort of finally reflecting his level of play um, I don't know that you can see a guy that's the third highest paid player to the cap in the NFL is a valuable contract. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And
2: when you look at, at this too, hold on to your hats, because next year you're going to have contractual d- uh, decisions. And I think Kirk is back for sure. But I'm just saying it's going to be very interesting at some point in the summer when Jefferson rightfully so gets paid and paid a ton. Um, decisions are going to have to be made that I would guess would cost you some long-standing vets here.
1: Yeah, the Jefferson thing, I mean, you got to keep that guy.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. No but questions
1: I'm just, asked, yeah.
2: But but I also think, I, I don't know for sure, but I also think that there are Vikings fans who have decided that they like Kirk, which is, you know, that's great. But they also love Thielen and Harrison Smith and Dalvin Cook. Uh, there's going to ha- there's going to have to be some major juggling of of certain things because Jefferson is getting paid, and I'm with you. He deserves to get paid. He will be the top-paid wide receiver, I think, before training camp opens in the entire league.
1: Uh, let's see here. Matt Leshinsky says, with a mini-bye week, I thought it'd be a good time to look at the state of the Vikings and how the GM position has impacted the team. I know there's been a lot of talk and praise about KOC, and rightfully so. He's a breath of fresh air. But what do you guys think about Kwasi so far? I liked his trade deadline move to address a glaring positional need in getting Hawkinson. I don't think this move is made with Spielman still at the helm. My biggest question would be his ability to assess talent and the and draft the talent. I know the sample size is small. He's only done one draft. But the first three picks uh, haven't really contributed to the team so far this year. Seen, Booth, and who's the third one? Awesome. Caleb oh. Evans. Caleb Evans was in there. When, when did, Seen, did they uh, take Ed Ingram? Uh, that was second round. So, yeah, he would. See, he's been, he's been so starting. Seen, yeah, hasn't Luth been that Seen, good. Booth was second round. Too. Evans. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, largely there haven't been among the top five picks or so. There hasn't been a whole lot of uh, mm-hmm. productivity. Seen was hurt. Yep. Booth's been hurt. It's so hard to judge. I love the Hawkinson trade. Yep. Love it. It's so hard to sit here and grade a draft that happened in April.
2: Well, and, and Scene got hurt. His leg snapped. Yeah, Like, I, I hope he's fine, but this whole thing of, yeah, I, you know what, there are certainly elements of Rick Spielman's last draft that look far better now than they certainly did at this time last year, so I'm with you. I mean, it's got to ride a, a bit. Uh, it did concern me that Booth looked so bad as a second-round pick, but he's a first-year guy, so who knows?
3: I think the actual in season trade for Hawkinson, it, it doesn't make up for a poor draft, but man, it makes you kind of oh take a little like exhale of these picks might take a little bit while to develop if you legitimately hit on the second best option in an offense to Justin Jefferson. Where you can you can say goodbye to a second round pick to Detroit, you could say around to the third round pick or whatever it is for the secondary uh pieces of that trade because it made your offense so much better. He already has already set an NFL record. So I kind of look at the Hawkinson trade of yeah, I'll let the draft play out, but I like that aggressive GM made a trade, by the way, also in the division to make you better. Yep,
1: it was definitely not something that Rick Spielman... Rick Spielman did make the... Was it the Ngakwe, The Who's the edge rusher yep. that he traded for right, right before right the before season. season? So it's not that he wasn't aggressive, but I don't know that he makes that trade in season. Uh, Chuck Jerzak says, After winning against the Patriots, is there a possibility of the game against Dallas being overlooked in retrospect by O'Connell and the coaching staff since McCarthy is usually a massive buffoon, or was the loss purely due to an emotional high and the reality check needed? I would love to have have been a fly on the wall on that Monday after the Buffalo game where O'Connell sits back, kicks his feet up on the desk with his assistants, and says, well, boys, (laughs) we got this buffoon coming to town this weekend, uh, so why don't you take 72 hours off and go hang with your family? (laughs) I think that it's,
2: uh, in retrospect now, a combination of things, and they weren't prepared. I mean, that was there's no excuse for losing by 37 points at home. Uh, but I mean, the Buffalo game certainly took a lot out of that team, and the defense just got exposed completely. You know, you're going to lose games and you're going to have bad games, and in those cases, you will lose by what's a fair number to pick 17, 21, not 37. Um, but in retrospect, and O'Connell smart enough. If you then look at that and say, okay, we've got to fix things here. Like there are things to, there's no better way to sit your players down and say, you guys, you know, you had one loss and you thought that that you were great. You're not as good as you think. So if that's what the result is, like if the end result is addressing things, that's that's not bad. But I do think that it was uh, a collection of elements that went into one of the worst defeats at home in franchise history
1: yeah they were showing some major signs. they were down by double digits against the commanders the week before yep. they were showing some some wobbly signs going into the dallas game and so that combined with emotional high and everything a couple tough road games yeah it was they, they sort of fell into the <laughs> into the trap if you will i love this comment from derek Vetter. everyone
3: flood the packers vent line
1: if they uh and they end with score. So what's the, what what station should people call Declan? Is it the Fan in Green Bay?
3: Fan in Green Bay is probably the good one. I'm blanking on the other one. Just just, just let TMJ us know. Tmj in
1: Milwaukee. T- T- Tmj. Tmj in Milwaukee. Tmj. The yeah. yeah call... They do they do live post game shows, and we pull Packer vent line calls from those shows. Call, call Green say, Bay though. Right. Skull Vikings. I love purple daily. Yep. That's your rallying cry. After you, oh, I like it. Troll them in some and, way. and tweet Skull us Vikings, this happened. Vikings, I love purple daily.
3: Tweet us this happened to, or let us know that we can and we'll
1: find it. We will specifically find it. I love that. <laughs> yes. Uh, before we get to our last couple feedback comments here, Judd, it is the holiday season, and yes, people, sir. especially guys like us that aren't great at gift giving, maybe it's hard to come up with ideas. The spiral light candle has—it's has been a nice little gift for for some of the listeners of Purple Daily. It's been
2: absolutely uh, fantastic. And let's just say that Dawn did not wait for Christmas. Uh-uh. Yesterday, she calls me and says, Judd, there should be two boxes outside, both of them spiral light candles. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because she mm-hmm. loves them. And I'm telling you right now, these are, as Phil said, a great gift for, let's say, your wife, for your mom. Anyone, including you, that likes candles will love uh, spiral light. Amazing Black Friday and Cyber Monday deals only while supplies left, last available right now at spiralightcandles.com, Including, and this one, the scent is unbelievable. It's brand new. Old-fashioned. It smells like an oh, old-fashioned. Um, I believe that there is a gin and tonic on tap as well. Oh, uh-huh. no pun intended there. But uh, these are great gifts. spiralightcandles.com. spirallightcandles.com uh, Sports Dad is here to help you guys. Like, that's what I want to do. Because I've been through this before, where it's like getting to be crunch time for gifts, and you're like, what am I going to, oh, oh, my God. I mean, what am I going to get my mom, my wife, my girlfriend? I'm going to give you a little tip right now. Spiralightcandles.com. Visit it, and it, she will love it. It's a great gift.
1: Declan always smells like old-fashioned, especially between, like, Friday happy yep. hour through, like, you know, Sunday fun day. <laughs>
3: I'm glad, it's unfortunate that microphones don't have like a scent factor because yeah let's say i could just rub my little wrists together right here and i just hear is that a manhattan is that an old i'm not gonna criticize gentleman? you pores is, is, <laughs> is, is that is that a sugar is that sem- is that simple syrup or is there just a cherry in there which one is it you
2: find out you know what good for you that's awesome
1: uh, Fra- uh frank marino chimes in here via the scorn of that would love you guys to remember what happened after the Vikings started 5-0 and in 2016. They went into their bye week. They came back, and Zimmer had chopped up teddy oh. bears mm-hmm. and put them in their lockers or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. The team finished 8-8 and that year. Norv Turner walked out on a Tuesday afternoon with the team at 5-2. and Weird times. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's happening at this point for this team.
2: <laughs> is, is he trying to draw a parallel between that and this team? No, I think he's just or reminiscing what? about okay yeah that was weird what happened there
1: that was very weird and we also posted we posted a a retro vent line from right after they went five and oh they mm. beat the texans or something by three touchdowns they did and we posted the speaking. vent line with me and superstar mike morris and it was just this love fest right wow look at this team and i've asked because alex Boone was a starting left guard on that team and i've asked him a couple times on the podcast he just what the hell happened You you guys <laughs> started so hot he goes you should have seen us through every one of those first five wins behind the scenes, we were all like, this is not going to continue. We, (sighs) we have, we're making so many mistakes and getting so lucky in certain areas. So they even knew behind the scenes, like we got a lot of things to clean up and it all came crashing down. But Kevin, there's things to clean up on this team too. And Kevin O'Connell has, has been able to keep everyone He's almost like a, I started watching Ted Lasso for the first time. I know I'm oh, like wow. three
3: years late to the party. Yeah. I just started this summer, and I finished. The, I binged the first two seasons, Phil, within the last like month. Okay. So, so I'm new we're, with you.
1: we're like two episodes into season two now. I feel like Kevin O'Connell has a lot of Ted Lasso characteristics. He's just there great is. at bringing people together, getting just empowering people, getting people to love each other and play as... One unit. Have you see the mustache
3: now on Kevin? This O'Connell. is not necessarily spoilers. Have you seen the dartboard scene where he plays darts yet? Has oh, that happened yet?
1: Oh yes.
3: Okay, so I even did a deep oh. cleanse into Kevin O'Connell's Twitter about a few months ago. He loves that scene, the dartboard really, scene. Dude. Yes, he likes it. He has retweeted it. He is all about. I forget. There's a line there that Ted Lasso says when he hits that first just bullseye, and there he a says very something like, scene.
1: "If if you were curious." You would have asked me what my background is in darts. He's. Well, you would have asked me if I played 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 darts much as a kid, yeah. and I would have told you, bang, triple twenty, yeah, yes, power I of did. motivation <laughs> or
3: something. Yeah, like he was just
1: hitting darts. Yeah,
3: that is very. I saw because I saw this, I thought this sounds like man, that's kind of KOC like, and this is before the season
1: started. Okay, yeah, yeah Kevin O'Connell, awesome. big Ted Lasso guy. Oh, warms my heart. All right, Sean Heyman. Heman, Can we get a discussion about J.J., Justin Jefferson, willing this team to the playoffs? It feels like in a similar way to Adrian Peterson willing the Vikings to the playoffs in 2012. I will say, like, in terms of individual Herculean skill position performances, Peterson and everything he did, 2,000 yards and some of the big games, primetime games, right? Very similar in terms of, like two guys that are going to be Peterson won the MVP that year and JJ should be in the discussion at yes. the end of the year. Yes.
2: And I, I think that that, that note is spot on. Um, this goes back to a, a conversation that we've had a few times uh, throughout the years on our show, Phil, about the fact that I believe since Peterson won that 2012 MVP. I believe it's been a quarterback award every year. It's the most ridiculous thing. And that's not to say that they don't deserve it. They do. But if you watch this team, that note's exactly right. Justin Jefferson is willing this team. And it's, you know, Cousins, I give him credit. Again, I don't want to denigrate what he's done. But the reality is this the amount of key passes that Jefferson has caught and caught that when he has no business and they're nice throws, but I mean, he has no business Osborne. No Thielen, No, Justin Jefferson is having about as dominant season as I have witnessed a receiver have since Moss. And the reality is I think he should be an MVP candidate and talked about regularly right now. I agree. You take him off the team and you put a decent receiver or a good one, a damn good one. They don't win these games. They certainly don't beat uh, the, the, the Patriots. But you a know, the, of those the, catches were r- ridiculous.
1: The Peterson steam didn't really pick up until like December for MVP because he had to have a monster December to get to 2,000 yards. So I think I think 2,000 yards is the mark. If Justin Jefferson, and what's he on pace for now here? So he's, Close to it. he's averaging. Let's do a little mathematics here, a little math so 112 per game times 17. Mm-hmm. He's on pace for 1,904 yards. What's the record? Is it, is it, is it Calvin Johnson?
0: For Has it receiver a receiver ever
1: gotten to 2,000? Oh, Calvin Johnson got like I'll really to close up. to 2,000. So right? single season receiver yardage. If think, he yeah, sets that, it's on. The, MV, the MVP conversation. Yeah, Calvin but, Johnson but won't pick up until he gets closer.
3: He had 1,964
1: yards in 2012. Okay, so that that's the record. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, single season, Calvin Johnson, 1,964. Cooper Cup last year had yeah. 1,947. 16 yeah. touchdowns for Cup. If, for if Cup. J, Julio Jones had an 1,800-yarder, Jerry Rice had an 1,800-yarder. So he's on pace right now, and I get it, it's. Cooper Cup played the seventeen games. Calvin did it in a sixteen game season. Mm-hmm. Yep. So if if to me two thousand yards and he's knocking on the door, two thousand yards gets you much 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 more into that conversation because it now becomes something that has never happened before in the NFL. Yes, and it's it's ridiculous. It's absolutely nuts.
2: Although I do love. Did, did you guys see there were certain filmsies trying to tweet out that the Jefferson catch at midfield against the Patriots, that the Patriots coverage was, was East West and that the catch was North South. So of course he could catch that ball.
1: What, what, what does I, that mean? I don't, I don't know what that means. The case.
2: Ca- <laughs> no, I know that's, but, but the point is, no, of course he could catch that ball. That's the stupidest thing I've heard.
1: He sat in a window. Like, I don't understand yeah, but what yes, the Yes. So the coverage. So according <laughs> to this,
2: <laughs> well, he not only did his job, the, I don't care what the coverage is. There were two or three guys right there. It was or, an unbelievable which, catch. Yeah, I don't. I, the one are, at like the 45 yard line. It was just, it, it's the silliness <laughs> of the, well, I'm going to take this away. No, you don't understand. That's not a great catch. No. Yeah. It's a great throw and it's a
1: phenomenal catch. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. And I love me some all 22 and whatnot, but uh, it's turned people into raving lunatics at times. Yeah. People need to calm down. Calm down. All right, boys. That's all the feedback I have for you here. I didn't I didn't think we were going to go almost an hour on this, but I'm I'm glad that we did. Now we can go play darts, and comb our mustaches and watch the Packers. I'm going watch the hopefully Packers hopefully beat the, power the Eagles. Of positive thinking is <laughs> <laughs> That scene. Go watch the dart, the Ted Lasso dart scene well, is all-timer. Going to drink a couple more Surleys and watch the Packers. We know and they're called WDUZ, yeah.
2: <laughs> Packers, Packers uh, Vent Line.
1: Amazing. All right, guys, uh, thanks for hanging out with us here. Purple Daily, Phil Mackey, Judd Zilgad, our executive producer, Declan Goff. And we'll see you tomorrow as the Vikings ramp up potentially for their 10th win.